don't know if you ever heard of this team. They're called the Packers. And there is some drama up there in Titletown. As Brian Gutekunst was back on the podium yesterday uh, to kind of talk about Randall Cobb, obviously, because Cobb is the, the, the latest signing for the Green Bay Packers. So he was up there to talk about the signing of Randall Cobb, but then it kind of turned and devolved into a, hey, what's your rebuttal to Aaron Rodgers? So we're going to talk about that. I have comments from Brian Gutekunst. I do have comments from Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb was out there. Uh, very, very emotional, Rowdy, for Randall Cobb coming back to the Packers. Yeah, and just a preview to Gutekunst, uh, his little presser. It wasn't as long as Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> it was not. And uh, Gutekunst's opening statement was also not as long as Rodgers' opening statement. Rodgers went almost, what, six minutes of the most open and honest thing I've ever heard anyone say. Gutekunst is just like, Let's talk about Cobb. Yeah, Rogers answered like a dozen questions. Gutekunst answered like maybe two. <laughs> and a lot of them were just essentially just, he did answer some on Aaron Rodgers that, you know, were um, kind of a peek behind the curtain, I guess. So there is that. LaFleur was on the podium. We'll hear from him. You know, we had Aaron Jones on the podium. That was good stuff from uh, the running back. Kenny Clark was up there. It was just, we're, we're inching closer to football, Rowdy. Let me ask you. And I think you've already said this on air, but I'm going to ask you again just to clear the air. What When does football start for you, Nelson? Green Bay Packers season starts the week of week one. So when they take on the New York or the New York, the New Orleans Saints week one, I think that's the, I six think that's weeks. The so that's that's when football starts for you. Week one of the NFL season. Yeah, I'll officially say it starts for me September 6th. That's that's the Monday. I am right there with you to me. To me right now, we are watching a soap opera. What we're watching right now is, is essentially, it's like the WWE, except this one's not, well, I mean, maybe a little bit of it's scripted, but this is not scripted. We're just watching guys like act up on the podium right now. Perfect date, too, for that uh, first Monday of the first week of the NFL season, Labor Day. <laughs> NFL season starts Labor Day for there, me. There you go. Uh, the NFL preseason doesn't uh, kick it off for you? The Texans, the Jets, or the Bills? Like that, like preseason, I tune in. It's like for, a, the, for the Packer games, but it's it's like background noise to me. You know when you sit down, and go to the movie theaters to watch a movie, and you're waiting for the feature, and then you have the previews. See, the previews to me aren't really the start of the movie, right? The previews as you're still settling in, maybe you're getting your snacks, your popcorn. There's still people kind of talking a little bit. That's what preseason is to me is the previews. Well, preseason, I actually enjoy watching the later minutes of the game because that's where you see all the guys that they're plugging in there that might have a shot at making a roster that might be the backups guys that you don't see all the time so you're like kind of just oh are you are you curious if this team has depth which we've seen the last couple years the Green Bay Packers have had more depth than they did in the later tenure of uh, Ted Thompson for sure but it's just looking at some of the guys that might play or might make the team if there's injuries or or something like that. The up and comers. I'm, I'm not watching Aaron Rodgers in the preseason. <laughs> do you, do you think Aaron Rodgers would even play in the preseason? If Aaron Rodgers wants to play two series in the preseason, I'm fine with that. Yeah, two two series. Yeah, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to play in the preseason, I'm also fine with that. I don't. Last time I checked, they're not hanging any banners. If you go undefeated in preseason. Some guys, like Rowdy said, though, at the end of the games, the guys that you see at the you know the bottom of the roster fighting for that spot, like okay, I could get behind you know watching this guy, and I know Nelly dives into the draft a lot more than I do. I think you like seeing those guys that you uh, were to- keening in on Rowdy right for the draft. To see 
what they can do on the field, and a lot of them will get more time, obviously, in those those preseason games. So it's always nice to see your like draft evaluations and what you can and cannot do and can and cannot see. So to me, the season does indeed start, as Rowdy suggested, it would be that first week uh, against the Saints, September 12th. Like I'll say once the preseason games start, I'm obviously more NFL intrigued. NFL season will start to pique my interest, but I'm not fully invested until the week of week one. Yeah, like right now, right now to equate it to movies, right now it's like you have all these guys that are in the movie that's going to be coming out on their like uh, their press tours. So you'll see them on the late night shows. You'll see them, you know, doing some interviews here and there. Maybe you'll see a couple trailers drop. That's like what we're seeing right now. The interviews, i.e. the podium, et cetera, et cetera. And then the preseason games to me, that's like the previews when you go and sitting down at the movie theater. That's the previews, right? The upcoming attractions. And then the actual season itself is the feature film. That's the movie. That's that's how I view it. So, Rowdy, yesterday, though, Randall Cobb on the podium. I'm going to start talking Cobb. Cobb had a very – listen, I like Randall Cobb. You like Randall Cobb, right? Like, I like Randall Cobb. He's one of my favorite Packers. Yeah, and he seems like a genuine good guy. D- definitely. Do I think that bringing in Randall Cobb is is a great move for the Green Bay Packers of winning the Super Bowl? I don't. I I would probably say no. Randall Cobb, when we saw him at the end of the Packers, his first stint with the Packers, he had nagging of injuries. He was a step slower and just seemed like it was time to move on. Because in football, it's essentially a young man's game. And I don't know. By the time Randall Cobb was done, Rowdy, or with this first stint with the Packers, I thought. You know, great career. Thanks for everything you did for the Packers. Now it's time for us to find some fresh blood, right? Isn't that kind of what you thought? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Randall Cobb, good player, great player back in his prime when he was younger, could stay healthy, and now he's on the wrong side of 30. He's had a lot of injuries in the last five or six seasons, and uh, all of a sudden he's back here. He's back. And Randall Cobb was very excited to be back. I'm ex- Listen, I'm excited to see the experiment play out. Do I think it's going to end up roses? I mean, I hope so. But reality tells me, I don't know. Uh, Randall Cobb, I don't think, you know, is, um, he's definitely taking a roster spot from someone. Is it worthy? Probably. I mean, listen, Rodgers, it makes him happy. It gives him a nice rapport. It let him uh, teach these younger cats that are coming up like an Amari Rodgers. So I'm going to play a little Randall Cobb here. Randall Cobb, Rowdy, was, as Rodgers suggested, was contemplating retirement over the offseason. Well, just his, uh, just how he sounded in in his uh, Instagram and some of the messages that he put out before yeah. officially getting to training camp in Green Bay, it sounded like a guy that was about on the verge of retirement. Yeah, here's uh, Randall Cobb is kind of the, the first question he was asked, you know, in his opening statement a little bit. As time went on, realizing how much love we still have for this game and, you know, situations change and, and opportunities arise. And I'm just glad to be a part of this opportunity that we have before us this year. So Randall Cobb went from uh, contemplating retirement to now saying, you know what, I'm just glad to be a part of this opportunity. And he did talk about Brian Gutekunst trading for him because of Aaron Rodgers. About the same way it made me feel when uh, I signed with Dallas and I was waiting hoping for another opportunity to come back. That didn't happen, but you know, we're here and, and I'm back. That's in the past. It's about today. It's about moving forward. It's about being the best that we can be today for this team and try to find a way to win a championship. So it's all about, I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Rowdy winning a championship. Um, I don't know if people would, I don't know if the Packers odds in Vegas went up 
when they signed Randall Cobb? I don't think so. <laughs> but it's all about winning a championship. Here is one guy, though, that Randall Cobb was talking about, uh, Amari Rogers, and helping Amari Rogers grow his game. Here's uh, Cobb. I expect to see the continued progress of his growth, and I hope to be a part of that. I hope that I can be what Greg Jennings and Donald Driver and those guys were for me. You know, that's, that's the approach that I'm taking when I walk in here. I'm going to give him every tool that was given to me, and uh, we'll see what happens with it. Well, that's nice. And also, Cobb says he's known Amari Rogers since he was like 12 or 13. So here's more from Cobb. He used to come up to some of the games when I was at Kentucky. He'd be in the locker room. He'd be running around on the practice field. He had a crazy work ethic for for a 12-year or 13-year-old at the time. And just watching him grow has has been a blessing. I got so much respect for him as a person and uh, just to see how much he's accomplished. I, I'm getting this... Um... Now, I'm older than Randall Cobb, but when I hear Randall Cobb talking about this, I, I, I'm like getting this old man vibe, Rowdy. Like, you got this old, it's like the Mr. Miyagi situation, Karate Kid, where you got a guy who's teaching his young grasshopper. Like, he's like, oh, grasshopper, wax on, wax off. To me, it's like this old man that's kind of just like handing down knowledge. And you're like, hopefully, Amari Rogers is like, okay, old timer. All right, yeah, back in your day. Sure, yeah, okay, back in your day, this and that. That's the vibe I get. Uh, speaking of two old guys, Randall Cobb talks about him and Rogers reuniting. We talk a lot. He's one of my closest friends. Consider him family. You know, he stood in my wedding. So we talk pretty often. And, you know, we, we always talk about having the opportunity to play together again. And we didn't know how that was going to be, how it was going to happen. But we always hoped that we would have the opportunity to get back together at some point. I wonder if they've had this planned out for a while. Like Rogers is like, hey, Randall, I know you're in Houston. I know you hate it. I know it sucks there. I know the facilities stink. I know all the drama in there you don't want to be a part of. I have an idea. I'm going to go to Hawaii, and I'm going to figure it out, and I'll get back to you. Do you think they've had this cooking for a while, Rowdy? I don't know if if it's, I mean, define a while. Like this off season. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This off season. Like as in like, like when Rodgers was laying out his timeline since like March. Yeah. Yes, I wouldn't be surprised. He's like, hey, Randall. I get, I'm gonna do something. You're gonna you're gonna like it. I'm not gonna tell you exactly what it is, but trust me, you're gonna like it. And get some new luggage. Here's more from uh, Randall Cobb about the journey that he's taken throughout his career. My time in Dallas, I felt a resurgence. I felt a lot better. Maybe it's what I needed. I needed to open up my eyes to see different things, to be put in different positions, to learn a little bit about myself. And I think being able to leave and now come back, I know myself better and I know what I need and I I know what I have to do uh, to put myself in the best position. He also uh, equated Houston as a prison. I don't know if you heard that in this press conference. Well, I mean, that wouldn't... That wouldn't be the first former Packer in Houston Texan to say that. Yeah. He he kind of backtracked later on in the presser, but he kind of equated it to a prison, which I, I had to chuckle at. Listen, Amon Green, who was a Houston Texan, he um he was he was with us for what a year and a half, two years, Rowdy. He said the Houston facility is awful. God awful. Terrible. Worse than the NFL. It sounded like there was like medical equipment from like the seventies held together by duct tape. Is what they're using in the training facilities. Uh, so one thing that they were talking about big time, you know, Rogers Rowdy in his press conference was really adamant that players like Randall Cobb were disrespected as they left Green Bay, right? That was one of the big things Rogers was talking about in his presser the other day was how the veterans were disrespected as they left. 
Randall Cobb was asked if he was and players were disrespected out the door. At the end of the day, it's a business. If we were in high school, yeah, we could maybe say that. Uh, college is a business too. So, you know, things happen on that end as well. And I understand that. I get that. I get the business. I get the numbers. I get the. I get all of that. I understand it. You think Randall Cobb is going to go up there after his uh, GM signed him because of his quarterback and say that he's disrespected? Do you think he's uh, right when he gets signed to Green Bay, he's going to be like, yeah, they disrespected me after they just gave him? A new contract? No, probably not. <laughs> uh, he's Randall Cobb does say there's new life, though, uh, to him in Green Bay. I'm very, very, very excited to be here. That's nothing against Houston. You know, wh- whenever I talk about uh, that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of Green Bay is like a Fortune 500 company. And Texans are a new franchise. They're a startup that's, that's figuring out their way. And and I think that the moves <laughs> that they made when they brought Casario in and Coach Coley, I think that they're on a path. Um, they're like a startup. <laughs> The Houston yes, Texans. obviously the Houston Texans were the newest franchise that had been started in the NFL, relatively. But, I mean, that's still like closing in on 20 years ago. Yeah, that was uh, 2002. Was their closing first. in on 20 years ago. <laughs> Randall Cobb says he's got to play catch-up, though, with the new playbook. Right now, taking it hour by hour. It's been, you know, I don't have my watch on, but I got in the building at like 6 p.m. last night, and I've just been like this the entire time, trying to catch up with people, trying to get the installs and crunch all the information with this new scheme, and it's a lot. The best kids at their age that were born in 2002 are playing in the NFL right now. <laughs> There's still a startup though, right? Randall Cobb. He he must have hated it in Houston. That's funny, dude. Yeah, they're a startup. Yeah. No 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 offense to them. He must have hated it. So Rowdy, speaking of time, Randall Cobb when he started with the Packers, first game against the Saints. Now that he's back with the Packers, first game is against the Saints kind of feels like I'm walking into the same situation 10 years later, right? I'm coming in right at training camp, just like my rookie year. It was a lockout year. We came right into training camp and I'm having to pick up everything so fast, trying to find my role on the team, trying to see where I fit into the puzzle and trying to make a way for myself to get on the field. Now, find a way to make himself to get on the field. Clearly, Aaron Rodgers is in control of this team right now, right, Rowdy? Yeah, but I was going to say if this was... uh. If this was everything was fair, which obviously it's not, it's not. It might be pretty tough for him to find the field. But since Aaron Rodgers is is clearly in complete control of this team, God, Randall Cobb. I wonder how his year is going to be. We, there's not any future bets out, is there? On like lines of like over under on touchdowns and and receiving yards. I should ask our guy Raphael or maybe Dave Essler about that. Uh, let's see here, Randall Cobb. Two left from him. He said it was tough leaving, but it's good to be back. Just the contrast now, you see a smile on my face, and I don't have tears. I had tears yesterday. I, had, I definitely had tears yesterday whenever I got in the car headed to the airport. I think it really sunk in for me then, and I just broke down. My wife was sitting there with me. She was crying, too, because she, I think she was more excited than I am to be back. We, we love this place. We love this city. It's, it's a special place. Randall Cobb, real emotional, Rowdy, coming in back to Green Bay, and rightfully so, man. I mean, he had a lot of special memories here. Him and Rodgers are really good buddies. As he said, Rodgers uh, stood up in his wedding. They've been in constant contact. How Rodgers fought tooth and nail to get him. Well, I don't think he fought tooth and nail. Well, he kind of did fight tooth and nail to get him back. I think there's a decent there's a decent amount of Green Bay Packer fans that are happy and excited about having Randall Cobb back. I'm, like, I'm, I'm happy for him. But uh, I'm just hoping that by midseason, I hope we're all the same way. 
Because I, so do I. I don't think there's going to be that same excitement about him being back. I like Randall Cobb. He was one of my favorite Packers. I I, I met him his rookie year. I got a I got a signed photo. I wonder why I put that in my other office. I have a signed photo of him. Like he's a very nice guy. A lot of great memories of him playing for the Packers in his first stint. I want it to work out. I want it to be successful. It's just when I look at the NFL and know how the business is, and I know how uh, when the older you get, the more of your production drops off. And we'll see. So speaking of production and dropping off, here is Randall Cobb. What's left in the tank? A lot. I'm only 30. Uh, may surprise you, but I, I still think I have a lot in the tank. And, you know, we'll see how this goes. Uh, I would rather let my play speak for it and then, than my words. So I'll leave that at that, and, and we'll see what happens. Rowdy, he says he's got a lot left in that tank. What else would he say, though? <laughs> but, yes, there you go, Randall Cobb. That's the, uh, I guess the we'll first see. presser. We will see. I, I want it to work out. I hope it works out. I like Randall Cobb. I just wonder when you let Aaron Rodgers run a team like this, and he should have a say, don't get me wrong. But Rodgers, I mean, Gutekunst, we'll hear from him coming up. Gutekunst clearly said they wouldn't have done it. That they weren't going to do it unless it was Rodgers pulling the strings, and Rodgers clearly pulling the strings. Very intriguing, Rowdy. Very intriguing. The drama of Titletown. And guess what? That was only day two of training camp. People turning on when you hear the voice of this man right here, Dapper Dave. Dave Essler. Dave, what's up, dude? Happy Friday. Hey, happy Friday to you guys. Uh, Dave, um, I have a question for you. So my my guy Rowdy over here, he's going for the perfect week in the Razor's Edge. He's had a winning Mm -hmm. bet every single day today. And now with the MLB trade deadline at 3 o'clock Central, Rowdy put a bet out there, but he wasn't sure what was going to happen. When you are making bets, Dave, and the trade deadline is here, are you leery of making bets on said teams today? Or how do you navigate with this trade deadline and players moving everywhere? Because I saw you tweeting about you know, Anthony Rizzo getting traded last night and Bryant, and that's why the line's moving. How does, how, what does Dapper Dave do? Um, I do. I trade very carefully. I mean, especially if it's a pitcher. I mean, you know, the the thing about baseball is if a, you know you you generally list the pitcher. So if you're betting on the Twins today and Barrios happens to get traded, um, if you do so before he gets traded, that bet will then be voided. So yeah, you got to be careful. And obviously, if it's a position player, you know, I, I think I think position players people tend to overreact. I mean, just because you plug in one guy or take away one guy doesn't mean the team's going to go from from sucking to really good or vice versa, <laughs> just like that. Uh, Unless, of course, it's the Dodgers and somebody like Trey Turner. Yeah, or, you know, Max Scherzer. I've got a question for you guys. Please. Um, what are you going to do if Craig Council wins uh, NL Manager of the Year? I mean, are you going to take that Mr. Clean Magic Eraser to all the on-air bashing you've done, or are you going to man up? Who's bad? Who what? Who's bashing Craig Council? I don't mean right now. I mean for the last five or six years. Mm, is this is this more directed at you, Nelly? See, me and Dave were talking yesterday during the Brewer Pirates game because he may have had a wager on the oh, over, Dave. and I was telling him, "Don't worry about it. Dave. Freddie Peralta is going to get pulled early here, and you'll get your reliever." Dave, here's the thing. I am a Craig Council guy. Rowdy over here. Listen, during the Bucks playoff run, they flashed the Craig Council who was in the uh, attendance watching the Bucks eventually win the championship, right, Dave? And the cryon said, Craig Council, Brewers legend. And I went on a tirade about how indeed Craig Council is indeed 
a Brewers legend. And now, Dave, ask Rowdy what he said about Craig Council. He's no Brewers legend. So who's the hater here, Dave? Well, don't you have to lump it all into one as, as one show? Or do you, <laughs> are you just... Are you just going to isolate yourself and only take, Dave, the, only, we, only Dave, take the icing? The majority of uh, brain-dead Americans right now lump everything into one thing. We're not brain-dead, Dave, and I know you're not, so we're not lumping everything into one thing here. Come on, Dave. Come on, bro. All right. Well, so, so, so you're just throwing Rowdy under the bus. I get it. <laughs> Yeah, correct. <laughs> hey, Dave, when it comes to uh, when it comes to baseball, I want to pick your brain on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Uh, but I always got Rowdy's back. But Dave, when it comes to except for Council, when it comes to Aaron Rodgers uh, and the Packers, I'm going to ask you that coming up here. But real quick on baseball, since you are a savant and not brain dead when it comes to gambling, what do you got co- uh, cooking here this today or this weekend in baseball? I know it's a little tough with the trade deadline. Um, you know, it's, it's not tough to like the Blue Jays tonight. Um, I know they're expensive, but there's no way they're going to lose that game. Um, and they're going to score a lot of runs, so the over. I mean, that people people just kind of going day-to-day um, don't know that this is the first game in Toronto in the Rogers Center in two years. So, wow. you know, you, you kind of got to like the fact that the Blue Jays will be a little bit motivated. And they are going to have fans, probably, I think, 15,000, so... Um, I, you know, I, I'm not a Ross Stripling fan, but you know, I, I think Toronto puts up a ton of runs. So I think that's your 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 absolutely square SpongeBob winner of the day, um, Toronto, and and that game will go over. Um, I also like the Angels over Oakland. I know that's always tough to fade the Oakland A's, but Bassett's road ERA is about a run and a half more. Uh, then it is, on the road as it is in Oakland, that kind of makes sense. Oakland's a big park. Giving up a couple dingers uh, each of his last two games. And, you know, he beat the Angels and Patrick Sandoval back-to-back in May. I think that matters to Sandoval. And I know it's usual and customary to fade the almost no-hitter. <laughs> and he did throw 108 pitches, but he's gone over 104 straight. So I do like the Angels to win that game. I, I agree with Rowdy. Uh, his earlier pick, if Barrios does not get traded. Hey, Rowdy has a question for you, Dave, but I have a question for you real quick, Dave. Do you agree with Rowdy that Craig Council is not a Brewers legend? Um, I don't know how you can be a legend in five years. <laughs> See? Dave. I, that's Dave. exactly what I said. I go, Dave. if we're talking about this 10 years from now and maybe they sprinkle in a World Series, just maybe, then uh, he can be a Brewers legend, but not right now. All right, Dave, I'm throwing you under the bus, too. All right, Rowdy, what's up? Uh, no, he kind of answered. He answered my question. I was going to say with Sandoval, he's thrown a ton of pitches. He nearly had a no-hitter, and I think it was four straight starts where he threw 100-plus, if that worried him at all. But he kind of answered it. All right. Gambling legend Dave Essler joining us right now. Unbelievable. Brewers. All right, Dave. When Randall Cobb was announced that Aaron Rodgers was pulling the strings and basically made Brian Gutekunst the Packers GM trade for Cobb from the Texans, did do you think that Vegas put the odds of the Packers going up with bringing a 31-year-old Randall Cobb in? Yeah, they did. I mean, but they I don't think they adjusted him enough. I think they were I think they were before they pulled the odds, I think the Packers were 14 to 1 to win and I think now um, from memory last night I think they're 12 to 1. Really? So, yeah, I think so. So when when I heard there was some like books saying that Rodgers was going to retire this week and that's why they pulled the odds, do you think they they went up because of Randall Cobb or because Rodgers wasn't retiring, or both? Because Rodgers, because like, Rodgers wasn't retiring. Okay. I mean, they, <laughs> they, they, you know, they they even pulled Week One against the Saints off. I I don't know if they put that back on yet. Um, yeah, actually they have, and it's funny. I think I think I mentioned this on an earlier show that 
you could have had Green Bay plus three at New Orleans before they pulled it. And since then, they have reposted that number. I know the Packers are three-point favorites. Really? So, what do you think yeah. of all this drama in Titletown, Dave? I don't know. I think it's pretty typical. I mean, we went through it with Brady and the Patriots. So Yeah, but you guys yeah. won a lot of Super Bowls. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about last year and the year before. Okay, gotcha. I mean, yeah. I mean drama in Green Bay, I mean, I, I have to shoot from the hip here. What else is there in Green Bay? There's a Chili's there. Come on, dude. I know, I know. I tend to... <laughs> Let's see, we got Kroll's, we got Kroll's Supper Club. If you ever come up, we'll, we'll take you there. We'll get you some old fashions and some fish fry on a Friday night. That'll be nice. Uh, we got a Chili's. Brett Favre had a steakhouse that got demolished. Um, there's a, Dave, something about Wisconsin, there's, there's a brewery everywhere. We can get loaded on like every, there's like three breweries every half block. Yeah, but I'm not a beer drinker, guys. Well, they got liquor there too, Dave. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Dave, uh, any other bets you got cooking around? I mean, you'd uh, drop a little nuggets for college football or something. Anything else that's cooking in that uh, brilliant head of yours? You know, I don't. I, I would love to tell you that I do. And that's okay. And that's I why we have you on every week, so that we can just keep dropping random nuggets here and there. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't have any other random nuggets today. I mean, you know, I, I have to tell you, if I was to look quick at the board, I mean, the money seems to be fading near Brewers tonight in Atlanta. Hmm. Mm. Hmm. And uh, I, I, I think I would bet on the Atlanta run line. I, I don't know about that. I think I would. Uh, I, I think what else would I take? I don't know. I, would I don't want to put you on the spot, Dave. You don't have to. You can just plead the fifth on it. Uh, it's okay. I mean, you know, that's how I do things. I shoot from the hip, and then I do the homework to make sure I'm right. <laughs> and it's and it is a hard day because yeah, tough because one, you're going into a weekend, and two, it is the trade deadline, so a lot of things can. Can happen real quick with uh, well, we already mentioned with starting. Yeah, pitchers. I mean, you mentioned it. You know, John Gray might get traded. You got the, the you know the Metro I kind of like, but you got Carrasco coming off a of, you know he hasn't pitched in six months. So you know, what are you going to get there? Is his pitch count going to be limited? There's just a lot of variables today, yeah. or or some some really bad teams that you just probably don't want to put your money on. You don't got any hand or uh, odds on like handball or in the Olympics or some or ping pong, do you? No. <laughs> Hey, Dave. Those, are all, those, are, those are all fixed if you read all the reports. I think there was more Tell me money. More. Tell me more. I think it was, it was one state where they just released the the handle on 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 betting by sport, and I believe the the most bet sport in one particular state was like Russian table tennis. Now, come on. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're watching soccer right now, Dave, and uh, it's going down in the whatever. We'll see what happens here. All right, Dave, before I let you go, my brother, if you, um, I, I know you almost made the Olympic team for golf. How's the golf game looking for you? What are we going to shoot today? Got a hole in one in, in order? Maybe maybe an eagle? No, I doubt it. I mean, I, I, haven't, played since, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't played since last Friday. We've got rained out, and unfortunately, we don't get to play seven hole doubleheaders. <laughs> well Dave best of luck man we'll keep following along at Dave underscore Esler on Twitter it's always a fun ride uh, you know your website as well at pregame.com Dave we uh, hope you do hit that eagle today or that hole in one and have a great weekend my friend you too I'd rather the Badgers cover the four and a half over Penn State oh that's that's a lock and we're going to have over four and a half drinks when you get up here for that okay I know. <laughs> <laughs> See you, buddy. I'm in training. <laughs> See you, buddy. See you, Dave. All right. There he is. Good stuff from Dave Esler. Brian Gutekunst yesterday, the Packers GM, he was on the podium, and it was was going to be a Randall Cobb discussion, like Q&A, because Randall Cobb is now a Green Bay Packer. 
Well, I think it was going to be it was scheduled to be a Randall Cobb discussion before the Aaron Rodgers presser the day before. Yeah. Uh so Brian Gutekunst took to the podium and it was talking about Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb also at the podium. We'll we'll play clips from him as well. He's he was very emotional talking about, you know, he was crying tears of joy as he was flying into Green Bay. And then when he was driving and saw Lambo, he had more tears. His wife was crying. It was all happiness to be back with the green and gold and back with his best buddy and the guy he stood up with, you know, his rider stood up in Randall Cobb's wedding as well to be linked back up with number 12. Uh, you know, when Randall Cobb first was let go of the Packers, or you knew it was his final game, Rodgers and him embraced in the field. They had tears. Very emotional, right? Well, he's back now, and the reason why he's back, well, let's go to Brian Gutekunst. Gutekunst was asked about why they made the, the Cobb trade. Was it all about for Rodgers? No, obviously without Aaron, I don't think we would probably be pursuing that. Um, Randall's still a really good player, and um, seeing him last night just kind of reminded me of, you know, how what an impact he'll have in our locker room for our football team, but this was a very important thing for Aaron, and that's why we did it. If you have any questions if Aaron Rodgers was running the Green Bay Packers or not, it was just answered. Right at the end there. Thing for Aaron, and that's why we did it. It was for Aaron, and that's why we did it. This was a very important thing for Aaron, and that's why we did it. Is it a bad thing? Is it a bad thing to have Randall Cobb back? Is it a bad thing to be making Aaron Rodgers happy? Is it a bad thing for this, Rowdy? Is this bad? I don't think this move in it in itself is bad, just because when you look around the wide receiver room, and you see, obviously, Devontae Adams is the number one. Alan Lazard is firmly on this team. MVS is firmly on this team. That's your top three. Then you you look around and you go, okay, they have Devin Funches. I saw who, I saw a meme real quick. It says this Packers wide receiver room is stacked. And then it and it went through the names that you were just going through. Right <laughs> Devin Funches did not play in 2020. Nope. In 2019, he hardly played because he suffered an injury at the beginning of the season with the Indianapolis Colts. And in 2018, he had a year that the Carolina Panthers saw is down, so they did not re-sign him. Yeah. So now we're going back to 2017. <laughs> is it? Is this stacked? That's, that's a, a long time, and it's kind of the same thing with Lorenzo Cain. Being a professional athlete at that high of a level, and let's not get it twisted, Devin Funches is nowhere near the peak player whoa, that whoa, whoa, Lorenzo whoa, whoa. Cain was. Devin Funches just two weeks ago caught a world record pass. A helicopter dropped the ball, what was it, from 750 feet in the air, and Devin Funches caught it, Rowdy. And that's good. Just think what Rodgers can bomb it to him. Like, that's great. That's good for him. That might be the only pass he catches this year. <laughs> and, like... You don't know how this guy is going to look when you when you have to go all the way back to like 2018 or 1817 and be like, either. oh, he's he's been legit player on the field. And yeah, like then five years ago, like I said, the Panthers are like, oh, well, we don't think you're good enough to resign you. Then you get hurt. Then you take a year off. And now we're in 2021. Okay, back to Cobb, though, and the rest of these guys. So there's there's players on this roster that, you know, like I'm thinking to myself, they're going to have a roster spot. I'm carving out a roster spot for myself. Well, well, now Cobb's here. Well, we also heard from Mike Clemens earlier this week, and he talked about how Malik Taylor looked good last year, and they're like, we need to uh, have a, a spot for this guy. Yeah. And they did. And, he, well, he's still in the mix. The only guy, St. Brown, some people still say, hey, we're, we're hoping that he can and you know take another step. He can continue to get better. 
Well, he's in the last year of his contract, and he's now been there for this will be his fourth season. Yeah. I don't necessarily know if he's getting better. So do I think that Randall Cobb could beat out a St. Brown or a Devin Funches? Probably. Yeah. Do I do I think that it was a terrible move trading a sixth round pick? No, because no. when does when do six round picks really become anything other than Tom Brady? <laughs> what was Donald Driver? Was he a seventh? I round? think he was a seventh, seventh round. round. But, <laughs> I know what you're saying. The odds say that a six round pick is not going to Correct. become much. So Brian Gutekunst was asked um, about Randall Cobb with Cobb. How tough will it be for other guys, other cats, young receivers to make it to the team? Here's uh, the Packers GM. We have a very competitive group, but I think. Uh, it's going to be hard to make our football team, not just at the receiver spot, but you know, in a lot of places. So, but at the same time, I think it's going to be really competitive, and, and I feel really good about Matt and his staff and how to incorporate a lot of these guys who do make our football team. All right. So, also Brian Gutekunz. Now, here's the thing that Aaron Rodgers was talking about, and we saw it in the press conference right a couple of days ago that Rodgers was very adamant about how players, veterans, were disrespected on their way out of Green Bay. Jordy Nelson, Clay Matthews, they even thrown the long snapper, Brett Good for some reason. Uh, you know, Randall Cobb was another one. He talked about a lot. James Jones. He talked about a lot of guys that were disrespected on their way out. Brian Gutekunst was asked about veteran players being disrespected and what he believes. Here's uh, the GM. It's a hard business. And I think sometimes, you know, obviously the Packers may take the brunt of what is the NFL business. You know, I think um, while those decisions are hard, they have to be made for the team to grow. I mean, you know, keeping players longer than maybe we should, then all of a sudden we're not signing guys we should down the road. So it's a little bit of a domino effect, and, and it's hard. It's hard on players, and players should have those feelings. And when you play as long as Aaron has, you're going to see a lot of that. Well, I think Aaron Rodgers and I think the Green Bay Packers like to a point being compared to the New England Patriots and Tom Brady, right? Sure. Because they've both been some of the best teams in the NFL since, we'll say, the the turn of the century, 2000. Mm -hmm. And they've both teams have been super competitive. Both teams have won Super Bowls. Obviously, the Patriots won a little more, quite a bit more. A little more. But they've been two of the better franchises in the NFL the last 20 years. Yeah. Well, what do we know the philosophy for Bill Belichick always was? I'd rather get rid of a year a player a year early than keep him for a year too long. Yep. I mean, well, Brian Gutekunst pretty much just said that. He said he said exactly what Bill what Bill Belichick has always thought, done and said. And that that helped the New England Patriots win a ton of Super Bowls. Obviously, yeah, they did have Tom Brady, but also to the same point, the Patriots were always going for it it seemed like. The yep. Patriots were always acquiring new players and if they thought they were old they got rid of them and what have we seen from from uh, players they love it when they're there because they're winning and then they bash it once Once they they leave leave. well you've already won there was a player there was a player that just was bashing new england and the patriots uh, last week two weeks ago about just that. Well, what are we seeing with, you know, I'll say Rodgers to an extent. or the doesn't, doesn't everyone always say they want to be, we got to model ourselves after the New England Patriots. Well, like some of the things they're saying, some people could take as bashing the organization, right? Yeah. Well, you're bashing the organization. They're still there. The, the difference here is they didn't win the rings. No, they had one in all, 2010, All the New England players bashed it once they won the rings. No like, one said anything or, or got all pissy while they were winning. No. I, it was it was after they won. The Packers, maybe they're getting pissy because they haven't won. I didn't hear uh, anyone in the Patriots complaining when they were cashing their checks and winning those Super Bowls. You're totally right. 
And I've always heard people say, we need to be modeling ourselves after the Patriots. Well, Brian Gutekunst literally just said what Bill Belichick does, and now everyone's saying, screw Brian Gutekunst, it's all about Rodgers, which I get, like, he should have a voice. And we both said yesterday that we're more on Aaron Rodgers' Yeah, I Rodgers. But when you hear Brian Gutekunst talk like this, you have to agree with him to a point, because we've talked about this so much in the last three years. He has overhauled that roster. That roster is deep. He talked there about how it's going to be hard to make this team at certain positions. That's true. But yeah, there's a thing called a salary cap. And they are a deeper team. They are a good team. They've been to back-to-back NFC they championship the games. They number one offense in the league, back-to-back championship games. So he, he does have a point saying that they have gotten better. This team is deeper for sure. So, Rowdy, here's this. Aaron, and think of the New England Patriots this way. Let's say... I know it's hard because as in this situation it'd be Tom Brady, but Rodgers went up there and publicly blasted, just ass blasted the people that sign his checks, pay him money, and the decision makers. He went up there. Imagine if I know it's different because it's football and it's a, a professional athlete, and when you compare it to the average Joe Schmo, it's a little different. But could you imagine? Doing going into like an office or holding a press conference in the break room to say, my boss is an idiot and here's why. Just go down the laundry list. Could you imagine like anyone else doing that? That's what Aaron Rodgers did. Is there any way I can say I'm going to be positive and say maybe this back and forth here is actually some uh, some growing and healing? Uh, no, I, I like as that. In, I think you're totally right. As in Aaron Rodgers listed off some of his grievances. Brian Gutekunst obviously took a day to listen to it. Mm-hmm. They, they bring in Randall Cobb. So he he's kind of placating Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Like here, I'll give you I'll give you a few little breadcrumbs here to keep you happy. Yeah. But I'm still gonna do it my way. Oh, he still has to say. I'm still going to cut the guys potentially early if I need to. And I I don't think he really I don't think he really Brian Gutekunst himself, that being with the guys that he let go, I don't really think he let too many guys go too early. Like a lot of those guys on the list that yeah, was maybe named off like, by wasn't Aaron Rodgers. Cobb a little late? Jordy Nelson? I think a lot of the guys that were named off by Aaron Rodgers that he thought were shortchanged, a lot of those guys that were, you could argue, were, Ted did. were cut early were by Ted and were, or not re-signed early. That was by Ted. That was the, the hides of the world, the okay Woodsons, like Hayward. Th- that was on Ted. I, I don't think many of the players that were listed uh, that Gutekunst had the ability to cut or resign. Charles were, Woodson, Jordan Nelson, James Jones, Clay Matthews, John Kuhn, Randall Cobb, Brett, G- the long snapper. Um, yeah, the, a lot, half of those guys were Ted Thompson guys. That, but I would say at the at the time with the Randall Cobb, I don't think they shortchanged him. He had a ton of injuries, wasn't able to stay healthy, and Gutekunst just unloaded a ton of uh, draft capital on young receivers at the time. Yeah, Jordy Nelson, I think we saw he went to the Raiders for one more season and was productive for like half of it. Mm-hmm. Clay Matthews was productive for one more year and then has basically been out of the league since. Clay Matthews at one point was in more commercials than he was in games played. Like we're talking about all of those guys. They've only been productive it was for one more year, if that. So I wanted to play this clip from Gudekins really quick. It's, there's two. And one, you know, the conversation initially started about how Rodgers went up there and just blasted. Blasted. His employers, his bosses, right? Here is Brian Gutekunst asked, 
uh, on where he stands after Rodgers went over his long laundry list. We've really been pretty resolute the whole way through. Uh, our kind of how we felt and what we wanted for this 2021 team never really changed. And we were open the entire time to work. A lot of these issues, obviously, we weren't aware of them until this year, right, until the, this offseason. And once we were, we certainly wanted to work with them. And, and it's going to take both sides willing to do that to kind of work through them. And I think we're committed to doing that. Gutekunst has said a lot of times in these past couple of days leading up to this point of both sides need to communicate. Both parties need to communicate. Both entities need to come together. He's been very adamant that it's just not him and the brass, but it's also Rodgers. Right? Because when Rodgers went through that laundry list, Gutekunst was basically saying, he's like, a lot of that was new to us. Like, that, we had never heard that before. And we tried to mend it. Remember, they flew to California how many times? Well, I think in total it was three. Yeah. They flew to California out there. Rodgers, like, you know, take a hike, dude. Get lost. Get out of here. I'm busy watching a Divergent movie so I can, like, get up the, you know, up the snuff on my B list, you know, fiance. Well, maybe some say B list. But Rowdy, Gutekunst was also asked, on what happens and how does he handle Aaron Rodgers come knocking on the door again? Like, let's say he's like, yeah, Brian, um, I know you're assistant to the GM now. You need to go get Jordy Nelson. Okay, thanks. And then leaves the room. Here's how Gutekun says he's going to handle the next time Rodgers comes a-calling. It's really no different than some of the, the other people in our organization that have opinions about what we're going to do. At the end of the day, I'm going to take that in, and then I'll make the decision, and we'll move forward. Um, and it's that's the way me and Matt have kind of done it and grown over the last couple of years is um, we got a lot of voices and they're all important and we listen to them all and at the end of the day me and him get together and we'll and we'll make decisions what's best for the Green Bay Packers. Hmm. Do you think this? Well, I know this. Randall Cobb was like an olive branch to Aaron Rodgers, right? Like here you go. We'll make you happy. Here's Randall Cobb. Your BFF is back. I wonder how many more moves we can let Aaron Rodgers do. Total total olive branch, right? Yeah, it is. But that at the same time, he says, I have final say, which he does, being the general manager. Mm-hmm. What if uh, Randall Cobb doesn't make the roster? Wouldn't that be the ultimate Brian Gutekunst power move? Cuts him. Here's more from Gutekunst talking about how he's not relinquishing any control in personnel decision-makings. It's still going to be him. It's literally just finding a way to incorporate you know, maybe Aaron's thoughts and make it and really explain to him why we're doing what we're doing. I think that's a big part of the things that he's got some grievance on. He just maybe just doesn't understand exactly why we did what we did, and we did, and we probably didn't communicate that well enough to him. So, I mean, Gutekunst has said both sides need to communicate better. He just literally said we haven't maybe communicated the best. So, I mean, it sounds like Gutekunst wants to help out the cause, kind of, you know, stroke Aaron Rodgers and the ego a little bit and say, yeah, you can have a you can have a voice here, which I think he should. You know, Tom Brady does. Drew Brees does. I don't think playing. Aaron Rodgers being able to have input here and there is going to be... No, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's going to be an issue. I think if Aaron Rodgers oversteps and wants input on everything, then that's it where it annoying. gets to be an issue. Like every time Gutekunst breathes... Hey, Brian, yeah, Aaron again. I didn't say you uh, could breathe this time. You had to wait. Hey, nope, no water break for you. Well, like, say just for... Oh, did you just did you just park in that parking spot? Nope, nope, nope. Just for a example, say it's like the offensive line, and Goody goes with one guy because he likes the versatility and, you know, insert set of skills here, mm-hmm. and Rodgers from practice prefers another guy because say he's more solid and has more experience, yeah. but he doesn't have the versatility. And then they, and it's like a, 
But we're not even talking about a starter. We're talking like a guy that's like third string. That's where I think it would become like a little bit more of an overstep here. Yeah. It's it's interesting. And we're only on the today's the third day of training camp for the Green Bay Packers. Watching and listening to the last two press conferences, Aaron Rodgers and now Brian Gutekunst from yesterday. Do you feel any more confident of Aaron Rodgers being a Green Bay Packers quarterback in 2022? No. Do you? Uh, they just gave him Cobb. To quote Aaron Rodgers, I'm optimistic, but... But I'm focusing on the 2021 season. Yes. All right, boys. So last night, though, how about the Milwaukee Brewers? Another sweep. And Rowdy, we were... Uh, not Telez, but Rowdy Razor over here. We were a little concerned about the weather saying, you know, it's so hot right now. Oh, did Netherlands score again? It's so hot right now. Uh, the Brewers are so hot right now that they didn't want the, we didn't want the rain to mess with the Brewers' bravado and how they were just kicking ass and taking no names, right? And, my God, the weather stayed off, and the Brewers got it in, Rowdy. I mean, they absolutely dominated the Pittsburgh Pirates in that series, and they didn't even have their – it wasn't even a best uh, three pitchers for the Milwaukee Brewers. It wasn't the Woodruffs, Burns, Peralta lineup. Mm-hmm. They got it done with Adrian Hauser. They got it done with Freddie Peralta. They got it done with Brett Anderson, and they made it look easy. I mean, they outscored Pittsburgh in three games, 28-3. to three. Good football score. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of good scores, how about that for boosting the Brewers' run differential? Yeah, that one winning up. winning a series by twenty five runs. Batting average went up by eight points over uh, those three games. I mean, they just absolutely went out there and crushed Pittsburgh. Now it might have been Finish a, a good time to be playing Pittsburgh, being that it's the week leading up to the trade deadline, and there's a lot of probably uneasy feelings in that Pittsburgh dugout because they got a lot of guys that could potentially be dealt. Yep, that is true. But, I mean, you still have to play the games. And they went out there, and once again, they handled business. They secured yet another winning month, and the Milwaukee Brewers continue to roll. Yeah, it's very impressive what the Brewers are doing. It was was the sixth (laughs) inning when the Brewers exploded. For five runs, six nothing lead. Rowdy Telez got it going with that ribby double. Tyrone Taylor double that scored a run. Manny Pineapple blew the game open later with that three inning or that uh, uh, that three run dinger. And then Rowdy Telez again a solo shot. What is going? Rowdy Telez. Well, all he needed was what the inspiration over the Chicago White Sox. Rowdy, uh, the other Rowdy. Well, I, I don't know which Rowdy I like more right now. I think I got to go with Razor for, over Telez right now. I I've seen. Rowdy Razor has gone all week, perfect in the Razor's edge. Rowdy Telez has been crushing it, but right now I need to see more from, uh, just a little more from Rowdy Telez. Like, seriously, though, that opposite field home run that he hit was impressive. Going to the opposite field to the longest part of the ballpark in PNC that was over 410. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Here's an Adam McKelvey tweet. Rowdy Telez hit an oppo homer to make it 7 nothing. He has four home runs in his last five games and is 11 for 23 with two doubles, four homers, 10 RBIs in his last six games. I think this is just, once again, another unsung hero for the Milwaukee Brewers who are stepping up for another week to two week long a period. We've seen Billy McKinney, who, by the way, is now on the L.A. Dodgers. Yeah, he's a he's, Dodger he's now. He's with his third team. Yep. We've seen uh, Tyrone Taylor step up for multiple weeks. Mm-hmm. We've seen now Rowdy Telez. 
I mean, we've seen Jace Peterson hit the heck out of the baseball for a week or two, and none of those guys. Oh, I can't even forget Vogel. Vogelback hit the ball really well for like a two-week span. Yes, he did, and was a key component to the offense. And he pulled his hamstring right <laughs> off. It's just guy after guy after guy for the Milwaukee Brewers right now that were none of the big-name guys that you were expecting to do anything. Mm-hmm. Heck, I don't even know if some people thought that some of these guys would even be on the roster. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's, that's why, true. why do we ever doubt David Stearns? I, yeah, at this point, I don't we, know. Like, we've we doubted David Stearns, like, oh, I don't know about well, this think one. About and it. then all of a sudden, the dude's a beast. R- Rowdy Telez was one of, like, six first basemen that they've tried this year. <laughs> and now he's hitting the baseball. It's insane. Billy McKinney and Tyrone Taylor came into the season being like fifth and sixth outfielders. Yeah. And again, they carried the team periodically. Jace Peterson was a guy that they thought they'd stash in triple A for a utility player if they needed someone to fill in. Well, it turns out when you have guys like uh, Colton Wong going on the IL, no one being able to consistently play well at first base for the most part of the season, mm-hmm. he's all of a sudden filling in and, and not only just filling in, but he got real white hot for like a, a week to two week period. Yes, he did. This is the type of thing that the Milwaukee Brewers and good teams do that ended up that end up winning championships. Yes. You find role players that have their best career years and they come out of nowhere and they'll they'll supply offense or defense for a week or two here or a week or two there when you need yep. them to. Then you have the good starting pitching and the good bullpen in which the Milwaukee Brewers have. I'm telling you, if they get one more good arm for a late inning for just more bullpen help, someone that has some more experience than the Jake Cousins or the Miguel Sanchez is not taking anything away from them. They've been great since they've got to the big leagues, but someone with a little bit more experience that'll be able to fill more of a, a later inning role in a higher pressure situation. If they, if they can have Lorenzo Kane or Christian Yelich or some of these guys that we thought were supposed to be big time players actually start to play up to their level, even if it just has to be for a month or two, they can look out, man. win a World Series. Look out, man. They, they're legit contenders. Mm-hmm. Just, and that's how you have to do it. You have to have your role players and your studs step up. G-Dub said uh, on Twitch here, just imagine if Yelly was Yelly right now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If, if Christian Yelich was Christian Yelich of 2018 or 2019 out, for man. this Milwaukee ah. Brewers team, I have no doubt that they would probably be, with everything all even so far this year, they'd probably have the best record in baseball. And... I don't think that you would be too intimidated going up against even that Los Angeles Dodgers lineup, which has just become ridiculous because they continue <laughs> bringing in the best of the best. I you know, mean, Trevor Bauer goes down like, yeah, we'll go get Max Scherzer. It's almost unfair Scherzer. what the Scherzer. Dodgers have been able to do, and obviously they can do it because They're, they can spend the money. Oh, We'll talk about that coming up, Rowdy, and we also got to talk about, speaking of pitchers, uh, Freddie Peralta, kind of looking over what's going on here as Major League Baseball's trade deadline is today at 3 p.m. Central. The Brewers made their move yesterday, right? Eduardo Escobar coming in. And the rumor was, as we were checking around yesterday, the the MLB, uh, the, the rumor wire, all the whispers, was that the Brewers are still checking in on um, some relief pitchers, right? And the market is like going to be insane today for relief pitchers getting moved around everywhere. Yeah, I think according to that uh, tweet and some of those rumors, yeah, obviously the bullpen market is going to be hot today, and they said they wouldn't be surprised. According to that tweet, if up to 8 to 10 relievers get traded today. Wow. 
Eight to ten rooters today. I know there's obviously been a lot of uh, chatter here and there with David Stearns and the Milwaukee Brewers and basically saying how the Brewers aren't done and they're going to add an arm at least some point here somewhere. So we'll see what the Brewers are doing. Now, Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show was coming in hot at me, I guess, last night on his show saying that, uh, you know, I had proclaimed that the Brewers are only going to get a relief pitcher. It'd be 30 years old, sub-4 ERA, and then they got Escobar. Well, Rowdy, here's the thing. The Brewers, I still think, are going to get a relief pitcher. That's that's something they've been doing, hell, everywhere, every year for the past couple of years here because, uh, again, you can never have enough arms, correct? Especially when you uh, reach the playoffs. Well, and David Stearns and the Brewers have, have shown that. You can never have enough arms. It's all about having arms that are available, whether that be guys that are bouncing – back and forth between AAA and the big leagues, and obviously having your big guns that are in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. You will never be you will never be upset with having too many arms, but you no. will be upset if you didn't have enough. Exactly. And we've seen the Brewers kind of burn through their bullpen arms. Uh, was that the f- – what year was that? Was that the first year they made the playoffs? 2008. It was both, the first year in the stretch. It was both 18 and 19, but 19 was was more, um, I guess you would say, seeable, where you could just see the bullpen wearing. And that was when they made the they ended up making the trade for um, Ray Black and oh, what was Pomeranz? Pomeranz. Yep. Yeah, Ray Black and Drew Pomeranz. Yep. So that was when they made it, and obviously that was a shot in the arm for the Milwaukee Brewers. Because Pomerantz came in and he was killing it for the Brewers. He threw the ball extremely well and was a guy that could go multiple innings for him, being that he was a former starting pitcher. And Ray Black also provided some depth and logged some innings. The Brewers needed it in that 2019 season. Now, obviously, the bullpen hasn't been taxed like it was in 18 or 19. The bullpen's in a much better situation. But I think also... What you can say the difference between the eighteen and nineteen, like eighteen, that that uh that Milwaukee Brewers bullpen, like the back end, when you had Knable, you had Hader who was a multiple inning pitcher, and they even had uh Jeremy Jeffress who was giving you multiple innings here and there. When you had those three right in a row, yeah, the back end was really good, but I think this two thousand and twenty one bullpen, I think is deeper. With with more arms, as in you still have your haters, you still have your Williams, Boxberger's throwing the ball decently well this year, but you have like guys like Jake Cousins, you have guys like Miguel Sanchez, Kirk Cousins' cousin. Pretty much since they've been uh, called up, they've thrown the ball really well, and they've they have good stuff. Yep. How nice is it, by the way, since uh, David Stearns has taken over, and basically since 2018, how nice is it? To not see some of those Brewer bullpens or even uh, just some of the starting pitchers in general of the past that we've seen, like under Doug Melvin. Like, doesn't it feel good seeing that a lot of the arms... Team USA now advances out of the quarterfinals, just beat Netherlands in the the, uh, shootouts of the quarterfinals. Megan Rapinoe with the sealer. Who cares? Could care less about her. In penalty shootout. I'm just giving the update. But anyways, how nice is it seeing that you have guys that have good arms. Like how many times have you, have we seen starting pitchers in the Brewers rotation that were like throwing 90? Yeah. And that was like, and it would be like Yvonne Gallardo who was hitting like low to mid nineties. And then it was like a bunch of other guys that 
like your Narvisons of the world who are throwing like 90 miles an hour. Narvatron. Like, it's so nice seeing seeing multiple guys in a rotation that can throw mid-90s. Now, I know that's kind of how the game has, has kind of went since uh, 2000. A lot of guys throw harder. Mm-hmm. But it's nice finally seeing well, it in the Brewers' bullpen. Also, what was nice last night, making his first appearance coming off the 10-day uh, injured list, Devin Williams pitched a perfect eighth inning uh, against the Pirates last night. So I have him come out because he started the uh, – he kind of started, what, the year injured? Like a little injured, a little nicked up? Well, yeah, he came out of spring training with an injury. Was it a shoulder? In, was it a shoulder? Yeah, it was like shoulder soreness. So he's back and looking a little better. Uh, so that's nice. And then the Brewers right now, Rowdy – uh, who are probably going to add a couple more, or an arm or something, hopefully, before 3 p.m. today, move to a season-best 19 games above 500. And their offense, which was putrid kind of coming up to this point, has now been just crushing it. Yeah, the offense the is coming are, on. The Brewers are just vibing right now. They're now in the middle of the pack when it comes to scoring runs per game. Remember when we were complaining like in May and early June when they just could they couldn't do anything right? Yeah. They were like at one point the lowest scoring team. Worse than Pittsburgh. And the most strikeouts in the NL. Rowdy, we've got a weekend set coming up against the Braves. Trade deadline starts or uh ends today, I should say deadline, obviously, duh, at three o'clock central time. So we're thinking maybe the Brewers still got some up their sleeves, David Stearns, and that would be like a, a, a late relief, some bullpen arm, help out, obviously. But Rowdy, let me uh let me throw the stat out here again. So Max Scherzer is going to the L.A. Dodgers. We know that. Uh, there's some other arms. There's a lot of people linked to the, what the New York Mets, correct? A lot of people linked to a lot of different places. So Padres are linked to more pitchers. Mets are linked to both pitchers and position players. So we have the Brewers, um, obviously, in the National League. They are seven games above the Reds for first place in the NL Central. The Brewers are also 19 games, a season best, 19 games above 500 as they continue to maintain that lead. So if all holds steady, right, which, knock on wood, the Brewers are going to be hopefully winning the NL Central, if, again, if everything holds steady, and going into the playoffs. Can the Brewers compete with some of these teams, especially out of the NL West? Can the Brewers or the Mets, if they acquire all these you know, acquisitions, can the Brewers compete with teams spending all of this money? Do the Brewers have what it takes, Rowdy, to compete with these teams who have, like, double, triple the size of a payroll of the Milwaukee Brewers. I mean, they do right now. Like, that's the thing. Because, and you know why they can do that? Because a lot of it has been guys that have been either homegrown, guys they've drafted, or guys they acquired really early in their careers. Mm -hmm. Like, look at Brandon Woodruff, drafted by Milwaukee, still currently on his, his first legit contract. Corbin Burns. Drafted by Milwaukee, still on his legit contract. Obviously, you Freddie Peralta was was a low level prospect in a deal with the Mariners years ago. He's technically signed that that deal mm-hmm. that was extremely team friendly. But even if he hadn't signed that deal, he'd still be on his first contract. Like th- those are your three big, three huge arms in the starting rotation. Then you have the. Uh, Adrian Hauser, who is your fourth starter. He's been doing really good lately. He also was acquired at a young age in that Houston Astros deal with Carlos Gomez and Mike Fire. Same one that Josh Hader was acquired in. Both guys that are still on their first legit big league contract mm-hmm. that are cheap. Mm-hmm. 
you go right down that line, a lot of those stud guys that they have, both in the rotation and at the uh, back end of the bullpen, they're in their first real contracts, or they're guys like uh, Boxberger, who were were guys that got low-level veteran deals because they kind of had to prove it, and they've proved it this year. They have. You look at a lot of those guys, even in the field. We're talking about Rowdy Telez. You got it right. There you go. See, I keep got, saying it because I always flip-flop it. Right. No, you got it right. Rowdy Telez. Rowdy Telez. He's good now, so we know his name. We're talking about uh, Luis Arias's. We're talking about the Willie Adamas's. We're even Omar Nervaez. All of those guys are still in the first big deals of their of their careers. They're either most of them are either still under team control or they're in current arbitration years. That means they're going to be affordable for the future. There really aren't a ton of guys on this team that aren't in those type of deals. Yeah. And that's the Christian Yelich's of the world, Lorenzo Kane, Colton Wong, Jackie Bradley Jr. Or else when you look at the majority of the roster, they have them and they have them for decently cheap. Yeah, they've been doing it well. And David Stearns, whatever he touches lately, turns to freaking gold. It's been nice. But we know that the Milwaukee Brewers can't go and throw, you know, $150 million out there for like five absolute all-star players. No, they, they, they can't they do can't. that. They can't. But David Stearns, what he's been able to accomplish is nothing. Like, he finds these guys that are kind of toiling around, and maybe the numbers are dipping, uh, but he must have some kind of, like, advanced analytic numbers that no one else is keen to yet as he finds some guys, and he's like, I think this this is going to work out. And then he brings them in, and my God, they work out. Look at Willie Adamas. Look at Rowdy Telez. Rowdy Telez, these past, what, two weeks, has been an absolute animal now that he's had consistent playing time. Uh, you now have Eduardo Escobar coming in. I can't wait to see what happens there. Then you have like some of these relief pitchers he's been bringing in. It's yeah, and insane. it sounds like uh, Escobar last night was flying to Atlanta, so he was going to join the team for Sweet. the series starting today against the Atlanta Braves. And here's a good thing: timely hitting now. The Brewers' offense coming alive. Milwaukee, I love the stat. Rowdy had it earlier. Milwaukee outscored the Pirates twenty-eight to three in the three-game series that saw them just sweep. The Brewers are just. Now, the Pirates are not a good team, but here's the thing. Hitting is contagious. You can get in a little hot streak here, and the and the Brewers can continue to move on. Now, unfortunately, the Reds keep winning, but the Brewers keep winning, so they're maintaining that seven-game lead. I love this stat. I know Paulie from Marinette called in and was like beside himself that I compared Freddie Peralta to Nolan Ryan, but this is a, this is a stat, and baseball loves stats. Most starts in a single season allowing two hits or fewer in ALNL history. Freddie Peralta has 12 this year. Nolan Ryan had 11 in 1991 with the Rangers, and Nolan Ryan also had 10 in 1986 with the Strohs. Rowdy, how incredible is that? Well, I just can't believe, just as a whole, the Milwaukee Brewers have two more games left in the, in the month of July. They already have 61 wins. <laughs> it's insane. It's, it's insane of like, and if you couple in last year, because this team, you know, I mean, there's been some moves here and there, obviously. You know, Willie Adamas bringing in Jackie Bradley Jr. But, you know, there's some, and, you know, there's some of these moves, Rowdy, where you're like, I, we never saw it coming. And then you think to yourself, why did I ever doubt David Stearns? Why did I ever doubt David Stearns? Well, I remember in May when the team was really struggling. And, and you're doing it without Christian Yelich. Yeah, it was like, it was May when they were really taking on water. And they had, it was, I think, a doubleheader against the Washington Nationals. 
and then they started a series with the the Tigers, and they started to kind of turn it around towards the end of May, May, and then they really took off in June. Mm -hmm. And obviously they had the great month of June, but I remember right around that time I was looking at the upcoming months and series that the Milwaukee Brewers had, and I was sitting there going, okay, in June they have to win 16, 17 games, and then in... Uh, July and August, between those two months, I feel like they have to play probably five games above 500 so that by the time they got to September, which looked like it was going to be a murderer's row yeah. going into that month at the at that current time, late May, they would have enough games built up where they'd probably be able to hopefully limp into the division or win the division holding off the team that was surging towards them. Yeah. But now you look at it, and and not only did they win 16, 17 games in June, they won 19. And, and you look at how good their their month of April was, which I don't think a lot of people saw them being 16 and 10 in the month of April, especially after that opening series with the Minnesota Twins, which looking back now, they went one and two against the Twins and were lucky to win a game. Yeah. The, the Twins are not a good team. And they, they figured out a way to win 16 games in that month. Now they obviously already have sealed up a winning month of July. And we talked about how, oh, September could be a murderer's row. Well, you look at September now. Yeah, you have a couple games left over from a San Francisco series. But you have St. Louis, who's toiling around 500. They might potentially be out of it. The Phillies could potentially be out of it. Cleveland looks like... Well, their manager already threw in the towel. Yeah, he's he's health concerns. He's out for the rest of the year. You have Detroit, which they're not a good baseball team. The Cubs are throwing in the towel. St. Louis again. The Mets, who would be a good that'll be a good three game series. St. Louis again, and then the Dodgers. That murderer's row doesn't look nearly as tough as it did in late May. No, not at all. And the Brewers not only are sitting better where I thought they would need to be, but they're looking better. The Brewers are just vibing right now, Rowdy. I'm looking at 538 right here. Now, you know, it's not the end all be all with these uh, projections. The Brewers, 538 gives them a 92% chance of making the playoffs, a 90% chance of winning the division, and the highest I've ever seen this, a 10% chance of winning the World Series. And I think they're on pace to win about 96 games this, this year. Uh, th- this gives them for a average simulated season, 94 and 68, but they're on pace for, you they're said, on 96. pace for 96 wins. The Remember? Dodgers are on the Dodgers have 90. They said 97 wins. Remember the Bruce we were, gonna be 96, we were talking about, uh, the 2018 team where they kind of came out of nowhere Yeah, and they just got a bunch of people that weren't necessarily tabbed as all-stars to step up. And then you obviously had your Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain's had huge years. Mm-hmm. Remember how many wins they had when they won the uh, the division that year? Was it 91? It's 95. 95. Remember they ended up winning the division in game 163? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're currently on pace to be better than that team. That's insane. Believe it or not, there are other things going on with the Green Bay Packers that doesn't involve the drama between Rodgers and Brian Gutekunst. <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. You're as shocked as I am, right? Rowdy, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones took to the podium yesterday, and he, Aaron Jones is such a likable guy, and he's really good at football. 
Aaron Jones is <laughs> the man. And he's really good at football. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong in saying that Aaron Jones is really good at football? The dude's really good at football. In fact, he's so good, the Green Bay Packers decided to ink him up with a four-year contract extension. Here's Jones on the podium yesterday about that. Uh, just become a complete back. I mean, continue to evolve into a complete back and um, show that I can play uh, four downs and, you know, uh, just be explosive as I've been and continue to do the things that I've done, but grow, uh, continue to do them better and grow from there. So, Rowdy, he definitely has uh, elevated his game, obviously, each and every year. If you remember, what was he, a fourth? Well, was he a fourth rounder? Aaron Jones? Yeah. He's a fifth rounder. Fifth pick. rounder. There you go. Well, to start out, he didn't start off the best where he had the, uh, wasn't it, four game suspension? Yeah. With uh, substance issue. Was it a marijuana? Yeah. The marijuana. So that didn't start off his career the best. And then if you remember early in his career, he couldn't stay healthy when he was on the field. And then when he's he, getting, and not major injuries, no, but like nagging injuries. Yeah, dinged up here, dinged up there. And then eventually people would get so mad that Mike McCarthy wouldn't play him enough. Yeah, and then Mike McCarthy kind of refused to run the damn ball, even, even though, though he said, that was A1 important. So people are like, you have the MVP in Aaron Rodgers. Why aren't you throwing the ball? And then when Rodgers would throw the ball, they're like, why weren't you running the ball? It's like, what do you want? So obviously the first couple of years of Aaron Jones didn't get off the ground super, super quick, but obviously his last two years in the NFL, he's played extremely well. Yeah. Um, so Aaron Jones, obviously each and every year, elevating, elevating, elevating. And I think that goes with just getting more and more consistent touches. Yeah. And staying healthy. It, it definitely. Staying obviously healthy, staying healthy, consistent touches and not getting caught with marijuana. That was the first thing that, that plagued him. Don't get caught with the devil's lettuce. Have a fall guy. Okay, so Aaron Jones also was talked to Rowdy. <laughs> like when, just, when, you, when you said that, I just have Stephen A. Smith ringing in my head. Lay off the weed. Lay off the weed. Or as Chris Carter once said, you need a fall guy. And if you don't have a fall guy, here's the thing. If you don't have one, you probably are the fall guy. Wasn't that Stephen A. Smith on Josh Gordon? Yeah. Stay <laughs> off the weed. <laughs> No, no, I don't think I will. Uh, Aaron Jones was talked about the what how minicamp was like without Aaron Rodgers because if you remember correctly, it's something that ruled the uh, news cycle with an iron fist that Rodgers was in Hawaii, maybe on the hippie lettuce, maybe tripping on the DMT, the ayahuasca. Sounds like a great vacation, but he was not at minicamp. Aaron Jones talked about that. Uh, no, sir. I think we were all just here to get better. Uh, I mean, it was guys' first times here, rookies' first times, and you know, just coming in, learning the offense, getting more comfortable in the offense. And continue to work on your craft. So focusing on yourself, really. So they weren't really paying attention. That's what they'll say, right? That Rodgers wasn't there. They're just focusing on themselves, focusing on getting better. Yet the whole world uh, from a sports landscape was wondering, where the hell's Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Jones, though, was asked about this, Rowdy, one of the greatest traditions in all sports. No, not Mark Murphy's sledding hill. It's riding the bikes to practice. <laughs> Aaron Jones rode one. He says why he chose to do it. Well, here's Aaron Jones. It's a tradition. I mean, it's something I love to do. I think I'm always going to ride the bikes. Uh, I came in, and it's something I fell in love with. Uh, my bike rider, I'm still super close with him. Um, he's always out there at practice. Uh, I see him all the time. So uh, I hope we can get back to that with the riding the kids' bikes and stuff like that. But I think that's something I'm always going to do. I love the tradition, and um, it's special. So the players weren't allowed to meet up with the kids to exchange bikes because of COVID. Yet I saw a lot of them having autograph sessions, signing balls. I don't know. I don't know. 
Kind of confusing to me. Uh, Aaron Jones talks about, though, uh, why he is motivated even more after coming the highest paid running back in the NFL. Um, I wouldn't say it's my motivation, but I definitely uh, think running backs should be paid. So um, <laughs> trying to do it for some of the running backs so they can get paid for the future and um, kind of show that I, I'm deserving of the contract. He's, he's definitely deserving. And no, no wonder he's running backs deserve to be paid. He's a running back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think anyone would say that they don't deserve to get paid. Or uh, yeah, I know I'm a running back, but I don't think we deserve to be paid. To be honest with you, I don't know I, why they gave me that money. I know I'm really good at my position, but I don't think I should take any more pay. Yeah, I, like I asked for less, but they still wanted to give me more. I don't, I don't understand. Well, it. I think especially for him, he's shown that he can be. Uh, a, a three down running back. He's shown that he can be on the field at all times. Not only can he, when he's been able to run through the tackles the last two years, obviously get him out in space and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, he's shown that he has all the skills that you want in the elite running backs. I mean, uh, McCaffrey got paid. Yep. And he showed that he can do all of that. Yep. Now, granted McCaffrey has been on another level when healthy. Mm-hmm. But Aaron Jones has been right below him. Yeah. Oh, totally. And those are the type of running backs that I feel like people in the NFL, people in the front office, aren't afraid to pay. It's more of the one-dimensional running backs that they're afraid to pay because totally. those guys break down. Yeah. Um, let's see. Aaron Jones then was asked what it was like to see uh, Randall Cobb back into the locker room because Randy Cobb, he is back. Aaron Rodgers, the new GM, making the move. Here's uh, Jones talking about Cobb back in the uh, – Picking the good graces. Oh, it's amazing. You know, I was I was a rookie when uh when I was here. Well, my first two years I was here with Randall and um he's he's a great leader, so I'm definitely happy to have him back and he was teach he can teach me a, a few things out there in the slot and different things like that as well. So um I'm happy to learn from him and he's we, we got another playmaker, so I'm extremely happy to have him back. So that's nice to, you know, the, a good character, obviously, Randall Cobb in the locker room. It's not a bad thing, right? I mean, you're appeasing Aaron Rodgers, making him happy. You got uh, hopefully a playmaker back. Let's let's hope the speed is not completely left him and the injury bug has uh, gone away. But, Rowdy, when it comes to the Packers running back room, obviously Jamal Williams is now a Detroit Lion. And you have the thickness himself, Quadzilla, and the quad father, A.J. Dillon. The big J's, the journalists, can't help but salivate over that thick booty and thick thighs, Rowdy. They are just obsessed with it. They want to they wanna smack that ass and ride the wave, baby. Yeah, the only thing for me with A.J. Dillon, like you feel pretty confident with Aaron Jones coming in, just signed that deal, continuing to play extremely well, three down back. The only thing that scares me a little bit with A.J. Dillon is the fact that he's been tweeting about uh, Door County quite a bit. Yeah, he wants to be the king of Door County. And he's, and he's hanging <laughs> and he's, out with my brother. And he was, ta- and he was talking about um, things that Wisconsin gets you with, like how a few beers doesn't mean a few beers. Yeah. Or how you have to go out and order cheese curds. Hey, Ben, can you come in here? I hope that... Uh, I hope that the Wisconsin lifestyle hasn't yeah. uh, affected him too much. Yeah, I got WKTY call me. I'm live on air. You talked to Ben. All right, so, yeah... He is out there saying he wants to be the mayor or the king of Door County. And I kid you not, was once in the middle of the lake hanging out with my brother, Doogie. And that's tongue and in I'm cheek. And I'm, I'm scared for A.J. Dillon hanging out with my brother. That's tongue in cheek. I'm not worried about A.J. Dillon. Neither am I. He looks like he's still in really, really, really good shape. I am worried about the influence Doogie put on him, though, to be honest with you. I'm like, if, if, if there is a dip in production, there's one man to blame. Doogie. 
Rowdy, here is uh, A.J. Dillon, or I'm sorry, Aaron Jones asked about A.J. Dillon, how he improved over his rookie year. I think he's worked on his hands a lot. Um, you see him out there catching a lot more passes. Um, but, I mean, I've seen him working every day when we were here on those things. So I'm, I'm not surprised to, that he's catching a lot better. And then um, just he, he looks a lot more comfortable in the offense. Like in year two, he, he has a better understanding of it. I mean, he's the second guy. Like it's, this is this is AJ Dillon's time to shine behind Aaron Jones. I think it's he's definitely improved his hands from the Door County boat beers. <laughs> like every time you're on a boat, when someone hands you a beer, it's not they don't hand it to you; they toss they it. They toss to it to you. And listen, the pictures I saw of him partying with my brother is he had beer in his hand there; he was catching it. I think we're gonna be okay. Uh, no, I think I think he even showed a little bit at, in his uh, last year at Boston College that he could catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield, but it was something that Boston College never asked him to do. He was basically the runner that ran between the tackles, and he ran quite a bit. He, him and um, Taylor were the only guys that had all those carries in, in college. Well, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, Jonathan, Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, Jonathan was Taylor. It, was, it was like him and... Uh, was A.J. Dillon the second most used back or the first, the number one used back? I think he was number one. And Taylor was the second. And Jonathan Taylor was number two. Yeah. Because it's not it was flipped. Yeah. I think, it was, those, I think Dillon it was, was like the number one. Those two guys, everybody else. Yeah. So, yeah, he got a lot of usage, but they didn't throw the ball because they didn't ask him to. It's the same thing with Jonathan Taylor. They just Everyone hammered was like, it. well, he can't catch the ball out of the backfield. He doesn't have hands. Yeah, because Wisconsin didn't ask him to do that. And then remember his last year at Madison, they started throwing him the ball out of the backfield a little bit, and he's like, oh, yeah, I can catch the ball. They just don't ask me to. That's the exact same thing with A.J. Dillon. And now you already know that Aaron Jones can catch the ball out of the backfield. You definitely they've, know that. They've lined him up in the slot starting in 2019. Yep. Like, we know that I think you're going to have two guys that can do both. You're going to have two all-around backs. One's just a little bit bigger, a little bit thicker. The <laughs> one's, other one's a little, a little more loose. Exactly. You got the you got the thickness and you got the quickness. All right? That's what you got out there for the Packers, the thick and the quick. Aaron Jones, one last thing I want to play from him. <laughs> I love this. Now, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, who is a minority owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, was never in attendance to see the Bucks win the NBA title. Tisk, 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 tisk. Rowdy, how, if you're an owner that you don't even come see your team win the championship? Tisk, tisk. Who was in attendance, though? Well, besides Zadarius Smith and a couple of, you know, Brewers legend Craig Council and some others. Well, it was like half the Brewers team. Aaron Jones was there a lot. In fact, Aaron Jones in one of those games was sitting next to a very a very lovely lass, if I remember correctly. Remember? I think you found her on Instagram. Yeah, they were second row. How about that? Yeah, how about that? Couldn't test test. Well, Aaron Jones was asked, after attending Game 6, the NBA Finals, the Bucks winning, obviously Bucks in six at the Fiserv. Aaron Jones in attendance. A lot of people are saying, all right, the Bucks did it, then the Brewers are going to do it, and then the Packers are doing it. We're going to call that the Wisconsin three-step. The nut kick continuum will be defeated. It'll be gone. It'll be no more. Aaron Jones was asked about attending game six. Yeah. Real quick before you play that Aaron Jones clip. If the, if the Bucks win, well, the Bucks already won, but if the Bucks win, the Brewers win the World Series, and then the Packers win the Super Bowl. There's no point of living anymore. We'll die a happy man and I- women. And I feel, would you say that the last 10 years of the nut kick continuum where every time you thought you had a championship team, do you think it would be worth it if you won three championships all in the same year? What are you asking is Bucks, Brewers, would I get Packers? Kicked, would I get kicked in the nuts for a decade straight? For a decade straight, every year, a decade straight. Would I get kicked in the nuts for a decade straight for three championships in a row? In the same year. Yes. 
I would I would let my nutsack get obliterated to dust for three championships in a row. How about you? I mean, how could you say no? At maybe at least for one time. With modern medical like, advances, you could with for one decade. My I got I have a buddy. He's got he has one nut and he has one thing called a nudicle. You can get fake nuts. You're friends with Lance Armstrong? <laughs> no, he doesn't ride a bike and wears stupid looking gear. So he's like a <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna guess your buddy never took PEDs either. No, he didn't. <laughs> he just had he had testicular I'm not laughing at that he had this. He had he had ball cancer, Rowdy, and one of those balls had to be whoop, Removed. Now I, he's got a nudicle. Hey, I if you bet, wanted to know that about my friend. I bet they also have another thing in common. They've probably dated a Bucks fan at least some point in their lives. I think you're correct on that. So here is Aaron Jones talking. <laughs> what a weird way to get to this. Here's Aaron Jones talking about if he was inspired by the Bucks winning. I don't see how you can't be. Here's uh, Jones. Uh, it definitely does. Uh, it makes me hungry, you know, just seeing seeing that, uh, getting to see the trophy and the celebrations and all of those things. It, 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 it was amazing, and it just definitely made me want to definitely win a Super Bowl. 